Greetings and welcome to Trauma and Social Work Podcast. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen or pencil, a cup of warm tea, and let's get down to business. Disclaimer, this podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Welcome to Episode 2, Part 1, Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Today, I will explore federal and state child abuse laws. So you may ask, what are the federal and state laws regarding child abuse and neglect? So let's get started. Child abuse and neglect are protected by federal law. Child Abuse Prevention and Treatment Act, referred to as CAPTA, was enacted in 1974. There have been many revisions since its inception, and it was last amended around 2019. CAPTA provided federal funding to states with guidelines to support prevention, assessment, investigation, prosecution, and treatment services. CAPTA also identifies the national role in supporting research, evaluation, technical assistance, and data collection. The federal laws against child abuse, domestic violence, adoption, family services, delinquency prevention, human trafficking, addiction and recovering, child abuse and neglect reporting prosecutions and protections, and so much more. CAPTA is only one piece of the child welfare legislative process. There are so many others. For example, the Title IV-E, which paid for my master's degree as long as I committed two years after graduating, addresses foster care maintenance, adoption, and guardian assistance. The Chafee Foster Care Independence Program and some other education and training vouchers provide funding to states to support and help foster care youth acquire training and skills to live independently. The Title IV-B awards funding to and for supportive services in prevention of child abuse and neglect all the way towards adoption. Federal law allows for funding to be distributed to each state. So, what does all this mean? The federal government provides money to the states if they comply with their guidelines. I often hear from parents who say, social workers wanna take my kid because they get paid. Let me clarify this belief. Parents feel there is so much social injustice that they can only believe money is the root of the cause. Some parents think social services gets paid for each child or family that comes into the system. Social workers feel this is ridiculous. Social workers get paid for doing their job and they don't get paid more or less based on how many children are in the foster care system. However, I believe there is some truth in both voices of the parents and the social workers. 
There is federal money given to the Child Welfare Department. It's a governmental agency and needs funding to operate like all other institutions do. Child welfare is not alone in this. Federal money is distributed to each state and it trickles down to each county based on the numbers and population served. This is why in some counties, for example, Los Angeles, social workers get paid a higher rate. And in other counties, such as Humboldt, social workers are paid less. It's a numbers game. However, social workers are not paid based on how many children they bring into the foster care system. Social workers are paid less than any other profession based on their education and experience. The real issue are embedded within the policies for the child welfare department. Each child welfare department develops policies that are used as a guideline for practice. The policies support the decision, maybe the social workers and the supervisors. For example, in one county, a policy will direct a social worker to remove a child if the child sustains a non-accidental injury. In another county, a policy will require a social worker to provide intensive in-home services to a child if a non-accidental injury occurs. Similar situations by each county will interpret and respond different, differently. This is the discrepancy. This discrepancy requires a deeper look into how policies are understood and implemented. Although there is some truth from both the parent and the social worker's perspective, there is a deeper institutional problem. So what's the solution? One thing you'll learn about me, I will present some challenges. I will offer some other ways to think and feel about a particular experience, and then I'll give some suggested solutions. Counties should be able to distribute funds based on their numbers of successfully keeping children and families together. Parents then would start to believe, well, social workers are getting paid to keep my kids in my home? And social workers then would begin to think that their job description is about keeping families together at all costs. However, this is not the reality we live in, but I hope this clarifies the federal government's role and how child abuse and neglect concerns are legally protected. This concludes episode two, part one of federal and state child abuse laws. Please continue to listen. Welcome to episode two, part two, trauma and social work podcast. Part one covered the basis of federal child abuse and neglect laws. Part two will cover the state child abuse and neglect laws and some other considerations. Since I covered a simplistic way to understand there is federal funding available to the child welfare department, how is child abuse and neglect defined? By definition, at the federal level, CAPTA defines child abuse and neglect as any recent act or failure to act on the part of a parent or caregiver that results in death, serious physical or emotional harm, sexual abuse, exploitation, or 
any act or failure of act that presents an intimate risk of serious harm. Specific to sexual abuse, CAPTA stated, the employment, use, persuasion, inducement, enticement, or coercion of any child to engage in any sexually explicit conduct or stimulation or the rape, molestation, prostitution, or other forms of sexual exploitation of children or incest with children. In 2015, the federal government gave authority to the states with a special rule. A child should be considered a victim of child abuse and neglect and of sexual abuse if the child is defined by the state or local agency as a victim of sex trafficking. However, this is all connected in many ways. One way, the federal government provides a broad definition and gives authority to each state in the U.S. to define what child abuse and neglect are in each particular state. So, each state has the power to define areas of physical abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, exploitation, emotional abuse, parental substance use, abandonment, and some others. Now, I'm not going to go over each state, but I will briefly explore how to educate yourself about the state that you live in at any given time. So let's use California as an example. In California, our penal code section addresses child abuse and neglect in what is referred to as the Child Welfare Institution Code, WIC 300. There are definitions to describe sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, general and severe neglect, and exploitation. For more information, statistics, and an analysis of this information based on your county, you can go to the website lao.ca.gov. I would also encourage my listening audience to do a Google search on the WIC 300 for the specific definitions of child abuse, neglect, and exploitation. Now that we discussed the federal and state laws that allow for protections of child and abuse and neglect, what is child abuse in California? Child abuse is sexual abuse. This is when an adult engages a minor child under 18 years of age in some sexual act. This includes exposing or having one participate in pornography. This includes touching, looking, exposing one's private areas, or requesting a minor child to do the same. This could consist of other children based on their age. For example, if a 13-year-old female asks her younger brother, who is, let's say, five years of age, to stimulate her private area, this could fall under the criteria of sexual abuse. Sexual abuse from a child welfare perspective is the parent's knowledge or reasonable knowledge of sexually related situations. A parent fails to report these situations to law enforcement. A parent fails to take the child to a medical professional that will address sexual abuse. And the parent fails to seek out mental health services for their child. Child abuse is physical abuse. This is when an adult inflicts bodily harm upon a child. Most laws indicate the injury has to be non-accidental. This could include engaging in a physical altercation with a teenager, so keep that in mind. 
hitting, slapping, socking, punching, etc. These are all examples. The law does account for some cultural and religious methods, but this is a slippery slope and I don't want to confuse a listening audience with these exceptions. Some examples are when a parent or a parent who allows another adult or caregiver to harm their child. I should clarify two things in this area. A parent may assume the child sustained an injury and they may assume it was accidental. However, the social worker and the law will find evidence that the injury suffered was non-accidental and therefore fall under the realms of physical abuse. The second point, an injury can be internal and not observed by the untrained eye. Social workers are trained to look at physical abuse concerns with a trained eye along with their medical professionals and law enforcement. Child abuse is emotional abuse. When a parent calls a child or youth emotionally harmful names, a parent refers to them in a derogatory or demeaning way. This aspect of emotional abuse presents a different challenge to substantiate in the child welfare system. Most of these instances involve a mental health professional's opinion. The parent fails to seek out appropriate and consistent mental health support for the child or youth. For example, if the child lives with depression and the parent refuses to get him or her treatment, this can be considered emotional abuse under the law. The second aspect of emotional abuse are issues surrounding domestic violence. The children are exposed to domestic violence in the home. Domestic violence can be between two adults, boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, adult, daughter, husband, wife, or just a few examples. The child will experience emotional harm by watching, listening to, seeing what happened after the incident. For example, maybe mom crying or the room being in disarray. Hearing what is going on in other parts of the household. I often hear parents tell me that children living in their home never saw what was going on. However, this is usually not the case. Most children and youth know more about the family circumstance. They just don't talk about it with their parents. This sometimes come out in their behavior. Talking back, aggression with peers, irritability with a particular parent, lack of focus in school, self-harm, etc., etc. Child ab abuse includes several aspects of general and severe neglect. This is more than the parent's inability to provide for the child's basic needs. A parent by law is responsible for food, clothing, and shelter. However, living in poverty or being homeless is not constituted as a form of neglect. There are other factors that have to be considered. Lastly, a parent should provide for a child's overall well-being to include mental health treatment if necessary, medical and dental care, and follow-up care, appropriate socialization of a child, and education, getting the child to school on time and helping out with home and schoolwork. This also includes a parent's ability to provide age-appropriate supervision. Areas a social worker will investigate include a parent's addiction. This could be drugs, and these are illegal or prescribed drugs. Addictions with alcohol, sex, money, etc. Social workers will also investigate mental health concerns, 
medical issues, if a parent is unable to meet the child's basic needs. In other cases of child maltreatment, severe neglect addresses concerns of intensity and severity. For example, not getting appropriate and timely medical care for a child can be viewed as general neglect. However, if the child suffers extreme damage, goes into a coma, has loss of hearing, or a child dies, severe neglect is investigated. Child abuse is exploitation. Although noted previously, this includes child pornography too. A parent who possesses child pornography can be investigated as a form of child abuse. This includes sending, possessing, distributing, showing, and exchanging sexualized material. In California, parents are investigated if they knew about or knew a child was involved and did not protect and report the incident to law enforcement and seek medical attention. I want to add, it is important that if the parent knew about it, they may also have, they may also be mandated to report it. Exploitation also includes having a child work illegally, forcing the child to commit a crime, such as shoplifting, using a child for a parent's sole financial gain. Exploitation includes human trafficking. The parent was involved, knew about the trafficking, and once again failed to report it to police, seek medical care, or the parent participated in some aspect of the trafficking. I hope this gives you a very broad overview of a complex system regarding federal and state laws. You are encouraged to do your own research and seek out your own legal advice. Disclaimer, this podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying, the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient Kemetic Proverbs.